Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. What's happening? What's happening, Spencer? Ah, I've just been thinking about demons and watching The Exorcist. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Today on... What if there was a demon inside you? Uh, hi, Eric. Hello. We didn't. We didn't do our normal. I'm Ryan. You're Spencer. He's and, Eric. And you're Eric. Hello. AKA Mason. Mason. Welcome back, bro. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. We get to officially call you serial guest now. Ooh. You've been hella on this show. Yeah, man. I'm a patholog- pathological guest. <laughs> <laughs> I must be. <laughs> Any episodes you don't have, you a just guess. you just camp outside and be like, hey, hey, yeah. hey you guys recording today? <laughs> yeah. No, it's like totally the opposite. We do that to you. We're like, hey man, do you want to be on another one? Mason just actually lives in my house, and <laughs> we're recording in his bedroom, so <laughs> so you don't have a choice, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Before we jump into the actual episode, yeah. I just want to real quick give a shout out to everyone that's actually been listening to this thing so yeah, far. Yeah, wow, because it's more than zero, which is what I thought it might be. And, and honestly, point. and honestly, a lot more than zero. So like, yeah. thank you. That's tight. All very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I guess we're at a point where we could say that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and um, to everybody who's left a rating and a review. Thank or you. Subscribe or subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Yeah, man, that's amazing. And also, if you want to leave a rating and a review, we would love that. I think we still have some hats to give away. Um, we do. We so do. if you if you tweet us at uh, at what if pod or at Big Cats Beats or at Ryan Copperud uh, or at Bug Cars, <laughs> <laughs> do you have that too? You should have. No, that too. I should. Um, but if you do, if you just leave a rating, a review, and and add us, uh, Spencer, you can DM him your address, and he'll send you a what if hat. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's like a lot more people than we thought we're gonna give a shit about this. That's so. awesome. We also got our first voicemail that I'm gonna play at the end of the show. Are we okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so if you want to leave us a voicemail about any of the stuff that we've talked about so far, or, uh, we'll try and give you a heads up on Twitter about like maybe what some up, upcoming episodes are going to yeah. be about. Um, what's that number, right? That number, I always forget. Yeah. That number is 612-246-4614. Uh, 612-246-4614. And it'll ring like it's a normal phone number, but it's just a Skype call that I will never answer because you might be a weird person and I might not want to talk to you, <laughs> but mostly because we want your audio recorded so we can play it on the podcast, but right. do call and leave a message. You can just call and like cuss us out if you want to and tell us we're idiots and well, we'll just, still think that's awesome. So you just want to like reenact some jerky boys bits with your friends. You can prank call us. <laughs> Anything is fine really. Uh, or hi at what if podcast.com if you want to leave a, a, a show suggestion or anything like that. But yeah, uh, just echo what Spencer said. Thank you guys for listening. Tell, tell, tell your friends. All right. Um, so, so to the question, what if there was a demon inside you? <laughs> um, Mason, you got any? Uh, you got any exorcism experience? Uh, well, you know, I I have never personally exercised um, <laughs> ever. We can Ex- tell. Yeah. Exorcised or exercised? Yeah, never either. <laughs> never actually stood up from here. I mean, that's why you had to do it in my bedroom. Who um, came to you? I don't, but I, you know, I. I do know someone who has claimed that they have been possessed. Um, and obviously I won't say their name or anything, but sure. Steve, Steve, <laughs> fucking Steve, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> fucking Steve. He's always vomiting and <laughs> spinning his head around in circles. It's weird. Can, you, no, be, I, can you be cool for a second, yeah, Steve? Yeah, Jesus. God. <laughs> You're like a Pez dispenser or like a, 
a really? vomit <laughs> Pez dispenser. Like just bricks of Owl having a seizure. But I was telling me my mother is sucking cocks in hell whenever I ask him how his day was. And I just drink some drink some holy water, Steve. Yeah. No, I do. I do know someone who who has told me stories about things that they refuse to, to take responsibility for and claim that they have been inhabited by a, a force that that made them do these things okay. that, that are pretty... Some of them are, like, rather innocuous, but a couple of the stories are, like, pretty pretty horrific. Um, which is, like, a, kind of just a fascinating thing to hear somebody talk about, you know? Did... um. Did they talk about how they became uninhabited? Uh, I don't think this person did any sort of ritual or or our exorcism or anything like that. I I kind of think they just they just believe that people are like these vessels and and demons can kind of pass in and out of them. But really, I mean, the way that it reads to me is that it's it's like you have fucked up a couple of times in your life. And you were probably wasted or something, and you woke up the next day and decided this was a really convenient. Oops, temporarily story. possessed. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. that like you know insulates you from having to like accept responsibility for these horrific things <laughs> you've done. Going to jail, or and or going to jail. Right? No, it wasn't me. It was it was Scott the demon. <laughs> Hi, uh, officer. I'm Scott the person. That was Scott the demon. <laughs> <laughs> I have my possession card. Uh, I got from the DMV. Scott the demon had those nine drinks and punched that guy in the face. But I mean, that's what it's like. And, t- and talking to this, de- and he, you know, this person is not super close to me, so I have no problem like kind of trashing the way that this person believes. Okay. But but w- when when you talk to them, that, that is how it feels. It's like no, that, you know, it wasn't me. But this one time my body did this horrible thing and then I, I sort of like didn't even witness it. I snapped out of it and was in a room and there was, you know, the, the remnants of this like horrible deed or whatever, but it wasn't me. You know, I wasn't even like conscious during it. Yeah. It's like the demon left me and then I was just left to, to sort of suss out what to do about this horrible situation that I found myself in. Interesting. I mean, to me like that already, that already screams something I think will, I will probably get more into later, but like, like that just sounds exactly like dissociative personality disorder, right? Where you just like, well, and that's you just physically dissociate your personality from the things you're not happy with or, or proud of. Someone or, pretending to have that in as an excuse. Sure. I, I, yeah. I wonder if this is the path that you that you were going to go down. But say it again. The the what dissociative dissociative personality disorder doesn't I'm that sound pretty sure that's to, a- to to the average person who doesn't have a clinical background? Doesn't that sound just as alien as the name of some of these demons, though? That's like, uh, like, like, how like, so, a, like how a, so. It's just an interesting question. I mean, it's you're we we've we've now live in a time where like the occult and and the sort of like magical spiritualism thing is we've sort of like killed the demons and and became them. Right. But you know we've replaced them with these sort of like cold clinical names of, like for which the treatment is different. Yes. But the symptoms are the same. You know. True. Be, yes. Being possessed by a demon. You know, having a dissociative personality disorder, it's like it's a very fine line other than the treatment. The treatment is obviously radically different. Yeah, but. right, right, right. <laughs> well, and Throwing holy water on someone versus... We don't know the cause necessarily of something like disassociative identity disorder either. Right. You know, so it's just like... You know, and these pills that some people take, it's or that one might take, it's, you know, how similar is that to some of the sort of shamanistic, here's a, here's a root and, a, and right. the powder from a thing and the... Right. 
you know, the gland from a bat or whatever. I'm not mm. being pejorative. I just mean, you know, these these things that you take that have a sort of psychoactive right. effect on you that feel like something is occurring or something is occurring and you think it's the cure or you think it's the spirit leaving you. I mean, right. these are just different words for sort of the same sensations. Yeah, for sure. And I think we have like a, we have, oh, Spencer's, all right. Spencer's ready. You got it? Well, I just, I figured we might as well jump in with uh, the story that kind of got us, you and me, Ryan, started on this episode path. Yeah, definitely. Do we Which, need to do we need to define exorcisms at all first, or should we just get if, into the story you have and a, go there? A short, handy definition. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love okay. to hear that. Yeah, just I just I think we kind of try to start on these sometimes when we you know obviously maybe we should clarify what if a demon inside of you is. We're talking about exorcisms today, as you've obviously figured out now. We haven't maybe said it verbatim, but um, I like the what, what if there was a demon inside of you more than what if there was a demon inside you. For some reason, it just sounds a little. Funnier. Okay, a demon inside of you. That's how that's how it'll be written in your in your iTunes app when it gets you. Um so so just so we all start on the same page. Uh exorcism uh from the Greek ex or kismos, which is a binding by oath, oh. is the religious or spiritual practice of purportedly evicting demons or other spiritual entities from a person or an area they are believed to have possessed. Depending on the spiritual beliefs of the exorcist, this may be done by causing the entity to swear an oath, performing an elaborate ritual, or simply by commanding it to depart in the name of a higher power. The practice is ancient and part of the belief system of many cultures and religions. Or if it's the end of the exorcist, you just punch the 12-year-old girl in the face a couple times and yell at her. And then jump out a window. And dive bomb your ass out the window. You know, Hollywood always got to dramatize everything. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen The Exorcist. I, just, I finished which... watching The Exorcist for the first time about 10 minutes before we started recording this podcast. And I watched the 10 minutes of the end of the movie. Shockingly, Ryan has never seen The Exorcist. Guys, guess what? I haven't seen a movie. <laughs> I gotta be yeah. honest, I don't think I have either. Really? You've never it's, seen it? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh -huh. I've always heard about how fucked up that movie is, but it's really fucked up. I mean, the last five minutes, if the, well, you told me about another couple scenes, which I don't know the, that we need to like risk. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that was my favorite the part. Old BDD. <laughs> hey, BDD, get out of here. I'm exercising you, you fuck. You and your dick. You're get not the welcome fuck out. here. Oh, my Take God. Take that thing elsewhere. <laughs> I was literally about to say a sentence. I mean, I don't even know if we need to get into it all, but, but here, but here we are. Um, okay. yeah, goddamn, if the ending was any indication. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. Just one thing before you get into your story that I wanted to say that I, for me was new, and this is obviously going to scream ignorance, but it's true, is that um, I always thought, and maybe this is because there's a pop culture connection to exorcism, which is primarily the exorcist, which is to the Catholic faith. But I actually didn't realize that culturally and religiously, this is a very widespread concept in multiple oh, yeah. different cultures and religions. And there are different Almost names for all, it I and think. different rituals and practices around it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I felt like an asshole when I realized it. But of course, if religion is such a widespread cultural thing as it is, of course, there would be different systems of. How else do you this. explain people acting fucky? It's gotta be. It's gotta be possession. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, it's got the devil in him. Get that devil out. He's being weird. All right. Um. All right. Cool, man. So, what you got for us? Well, we started this conversation after you started watching yes. Hostage to the Devil. Yes. On Netflix, that did happen. Which is a documentary about uh, a maybe a or a one-time Catholic priest named Malachi Martin. Malachi Martin. 
And uh, weird guy. Yeah, very weird guy. Who in the in the movie, uh, the documentary was made after his death. But basically, it it's the story of this of this man who was a a priest and an exorcist, um, who was born in Ireland, uh, practiced in Rome for a long time, was trained in Rome, and then moved to New York in, the, I believe, the 60s, and claimed to have performed many exorcisms um, and eventually died in, what was it, early 2000s? 01 or 02 or something? Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't have it up, but I can pull it up. Um, after he claimed to have been pushed off of a ladder in his home by a demon who he had begun to exercise from a young girl just the day before. Um, he totally was not just a 78-year-old man who fell in his house. <laughs> he was definitely at the end of a lifelong battle with this one demon who had followed him throughout his life. Yeah, huh. 99, but yes. Um, he died in 99. 99, okay. And a lot of people have differing opinions of uh, Father Martin. There were a couple uh, of his colleagues that are interviewed throughout the the documentary that say, you know, he was this miracle worker and this amazing priest and he helped and saved so many people. <laughs> There's the one really old cranky guy with the oxygen tubes in his nose talking about how he, how Father Martin fucked his wife. <laughs> Whoa. You, you got to get the demon out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I had to just, you know. His, his wife was possessed by the big dick demon a couple oh, times. Man. Oh, no. Uh, you you got to watch this documentary. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty weird in parts, but it's uh-huh. pretty good. So after watching that, or actually while watching that, I ordered his book uh, of the same name, Hostage to the Devil, on Amazon and and started reading it. Uh, so the book he wrote a book in 1976, or it was it came out in 1976. That was basically a uh, a comp- compilation of case studies of possessions and exorcisms that he had witnessed or par- partaken in over his career. Worked on mm-hmm. as a as a guy. Yeah, and it was like in multiple places too, right? Like it was. Both yeah, while he, he was. He primarily worked in. New York yeah, and didn't really gain popularity as an exorcist until he moved to the U S I thought it was really fascinating that he was one of the original translators on the dead sea scrolls, which is not like a, not like necessarily relevant to the whole exorcism topic, but it is, it is um, to me, it like significantly legitimized him as he's a, he's a a relevant religious authority. Yeah. He's a scholar. He's a priest. He obviously has enough of like a background in both like religion and the Bible and language to, to sort of be, be respected by the Vatican to be placed in that role. Was that ever verified though? Yeah, they very, they very, they acknowledge that. Okay. Because mm-hmm. one of the, one of the sticking points in the, in the film was after he left Rome in like the sixties or seventies, the Vatican claimed he had left the church. He was no longer a priest, but he continued to act as one for the next 30 some years. Yeah, the the Dead Sea Scroll work he did was before that. Okay, so it was, before, and that's legit. That's not just him saying I did this. And, he he's published over okay. twenty four uh, articles in various journals about the archaeological work that he did as it relates to the Dead Sea. He's Scrolls. got kind of this after reading his book, and actually after watching The Exorcist, there's some weird tie-ins, and he's got sort of this uh, like Indiana Jones vibe going mm. too, which I, <laughs> that's relevant to the exorcism thing, right? I mean that's. Right. King well, Solomon and 
And I thought it was an interesting tie-in after watching The Exorcist, too, because the uh, the priest who's brought in to do the exorcism in that movie, the, the movie starts with a like straight-out-of-Indiana-Jones shot of him at an archaeological dig in Iraq. Mm. And he digs up this statue of this demon-looking thing, and he like gets all flustered and almost has a heart attack and flees and leaves the, the dig because it's some horrible bad omen or something. Dun, dun, dun. And they call this this uh, I can't remember his name, Father What's His Nuts, back from Iraq to do this exorcism. And so I don't know the the book came out in 1976, three years after The Exorcist. He's basically telling stories that could be lifted from The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. He's claiming a lot of uh, I don't like it, his background and his history seem like maybe they're not totally true. And maybe he was playing off the popularity and the the pop culture aspects of possession and exorcism in the seventies. Yeah, I mean, which was on I would, which was what what channels were those? I mean, not literally television channels, but like how how does one gain notoriety in exorcism circles? What does that mean? Well, I mean, like he wrote a New York Times bestselling book huh. about being this all star exorcist three years after the Exorcist became the highest grossing R rated movie ever. Interesting, uh, although. Hmm. And he, there are, there is evidence of not, I mean, evidence is a weird way to say it, but like there are many people who have worked with him on exorcisms and who speak to their work, like participating in exorcism with, mm-hmm. with him, et cetera. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to totally discredit. I'm just saying there seems there, there's definitely no consensus around this dude. Sure. I guess I could also, and I'm a little bit playing devil's advocate right now. Yeah. Ah, oh, Jesus. oh boy. I don't say that one. <laughs> that one was not intentional. Um, but to play devil's advocate. Go to hell, advocate. Ryan. <laughs> I'm already there. No. Um, I, I do think there's also like, I, I think the controversy around the dude is, you know, were you this guy? Or were you a phony who was trying to make money off of this trend? Or is there some sort of gray area in between where you had some of this professional history? Yeah, impossible to have consensus on. I also think it's interesting, too, that um, I saw, and I'm going to, maybe this is Elias Bourne, but um, I saw something about when I was on the Google Basically, around the time of the exorcism coming out, like around the book and then through to the movie, that the cited and reported instances of possession and committed exorcisms increased by like 50%. No way. So there being sort of a generally a cultural trend, you know, moving towards that concept Uh maybe gave him sort of a space to become who he became, which is sort of like, like you said, like this celebrity rock star exorcist, which is a weird, a weird thing to be in general, I guess. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know how much it was, you know, having not been born until 10 years, 13 years after the movie came out. Like, I I don't know how much a part of pop culture that concept was before the movie. Yeah. Good question. At least in the, in the U S like, I, I think it had a lot to do with, popularizing that idea, uh, that practice, that part of Catholicism uh, was popularizing the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. It's implied in that movie that the demon is is let in because they used a Ouija board, which I don't know if that was necessarily a 
a widely uh, held belief before that movie. Did mm. you know that like Ouija boards are just like it's like legit a children's toy sold by a children's like toy company? Yeah, right. I think it is. Yeah, I think Hasbro's it's literally Hasbro demon yeah. inviting. Yeah, door I mean, like door to hell gateway. I, well, that's unlocking. what I'm saying. It was always just this like goofy game until its role in that movie when it took on the much more ominous tone that then we all grew up in. You just you turn know? the lights off and play yeah. Ouija. It's a very different experience. Did you? <laughs> One more quick fun Ouija fact. Did you know that the game named itself? Is that true? Yeah. They had to go through a couple iterations. Is that just a good marketer who was like, like this would be a cool story? We can't yeah, prove it's ask. not true. I First mean, couple drafts were can. like, Zhurkok. <laughs> nah, I better do another one. Zertzian <laughs> <laughs> yet. Oh, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. All right. We'll, we'll keep going. <laughs> so one of the, the case studies, in quotes, from Hostage to the Devil by Malachi Martin. Um, was about a woman, a young woman named Marianne, who was 26 years old, and she became possessed while living in New York City in the 60s. That'll do it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> damn hippies moving to the city. She smoked weed and got the devil in her. <laughs> so it it focuses mostly on uh, this priest who did the the exorcism. Who can M- M- Malachite, that dude. So this is from Malachi Martin's book. Uh, this he is, is not the one doing this. He is not the one doing the exorcism. He okay. is reporting on another priest who did an exorcism that he apparently witnessed. Hmm. So this this priest, Father Peter, is an Irish priest who moved to New York City. Um, he did his first exorcism at age thirty four in Hoboken, New Jersey, and as he was doing the exorcism. The the man who he was exercising slash the demon that he was exercising shouted at him, you think you're escaping. Don't worry, you'll be back for more and we will scorch the soul in you. You'll smell just like us. Third strike and you're out. Remember us. Oh. Woof. Yeah. He finishes this exorcism. The demon on its way out is like, fuck you, two more exorcisms from now and I'm going to get you. And uh, after 13 hours, the demon left, and Peter is like, all right, cool. Nailed it. One for one. Got my first demon. (laughs) Uh, In 1952, he performed his second exorcism, also in Jersey, this time in Jersey City. Oh, boy. And this one lasted for three days. Wow. Mm -hmm. He was, again, successful, so he's two for two, uh, and actually kept in touch with the the young man who he exercised for the rest of his life, and they had, like, this... uh, eternal bond because the guy was very thankful to him for for saving his life Mm -hmm. 10 years later he takes a 10-week trip to rome to study with uh his priest bros and he meets this guy (laughs) father connor who had performed tons of exorcisms and was one of the uh, the highest ranked exorcists in the catholic church okay um and he, he studies with this dude for, for 10 weeks and learns about how to become a better exorcist and how to say all the right prayers and when to not get tricked by demons. And this, Sorry, this always. is in where? This is in Rome. This is at, in Rome. Yep, okay. Yep. So he learns uh, all, all about demon social skills and <laughs> when to, you know, avoid their, their uh, big dicks. Or always. Well, <laughs> when to? Always. <laughs> That's what he learned. Short chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. So he returns to New York, and his third and final exorcism 
John, John, John. was of a young woman named Marianne. This woman, Marianne, uh, she was 26 at the time that she uh, ended up being exercised by Father Peter. She grew up in New York, had a fairly normal childhood, growing up with the parents and her brother, super close to her family, um, lived with them even when she started attending college in New York, raised Catholic, attended a Catholic college. Um, and when she got to college, started questioning a lot of the stuff that she had been raised on and, you know, uh, a lot of the teachings of the church and stuff. But she was at a Catholic college, so she got into a lot of confrontations with her professors and they all thought she was kind of weird and she didn't get along with a lot of the students there because she was just kind of figuring out, like, Catholicism is maybe not for me. If you have doubt, you're a terrible person <laughs> right. and you don't belong here. Right. And Says I would, much of religion. I would imagine living in Manhattan, like you're being exposed to a lot of other things that definitely aren't that. And she decided to to not attend a Catholic university anymore. Okay. Sometime in her early 20s, she's sitting in a park reading a book. And she said she suddenly felt a presence behind her as if someone was like standing behind her reading over her shoulder. She doesn't recall what this person looked like, only that he had a permanent smile across his face. Is like very blank expression other than this big grin on his face. She sensed the presence of a person who was smiling. No, she she sensed that someone was standing behind her and then turned. And there was a person. Yeah. Gotcha. But she can't recall any other details about this person other than the grin on his face. Creepy. So it was sort of this. I, I pictured it being like in a in a dream state where you like you have a dream and you know that a person represents a specific person, but it's like not that person. But you can't actually identify any details uh-huh, about yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But I thought the the grinning man thing was really interesting because that comes up in a lot of other like paranormal stories. Ugh. Like, <laughs> if you Google if you Google grinning man, you will get a whole heap of weird ghost paranormal UFO stories. Doing it. <laughs> um. Good. There's, moogly moogly. <laughs> the the grinning man shows up at a lot of uh a lot of UFO sites. Um there's a story of the Yo, super don't do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Oh. <laughs> for what it's worth <laughs> for what it's worth, like Google's job is to represent the meanings of a phrase and I just searched for grinning man. And it is like the image search is all of the creepiest fucking things you've ever seen. (laughs) Dude. Dude. All right. Sorry. Very quick deviation to like, this is what comes up when you search for grinning man on fucking Google. (laughs) Well, show noted. It's fucking yuck, dude. These are weird. So this man stays with her in the park for about an hour. And the last, and just like talking and hanging out with her. And the last thing he says to her is seek those of the kingdom. They will know you and you will know them. And then he leaves. Could you be more vague? <laughs> Thanks, man. Obviously the kingdom of Satan, Mason. <laughs> Thanks, Duh. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, I right. guess. So after the this point. of burgers? <laughs> so many kingdoms. <laughs> She had already started withdrawing from like social activities. She dropped out of school. She was distancing herself from her family and her parents. This is like after this incident occurred. Or it, it had in been happening before. Tandem? It accelerated after this incident. Okay. Um, to the point where she was not interacting with like anyone on a daily basis. Okay. She would stay in her apartment or she would leave 
to go to the park and read and then go right back to her apartment. She's looking for that grin, yo. Right. Uh, her parents became concerned about her and tried to get her to visit a couple of psychiatrists, which she did, and who both said that she was fine and, and healthy. Um, but she started doing really weird stuff. <laughs> which... As if hunting for a... Never mind. Right. Well, doing things like her parents brought her food to her apartment because they were worried about her and they knew that she like didn't leave her apartment. So they brought a box of food over. She wouldn't come to the door to meet them. They left the box of food on her front porch. She took it in, shit in it for a week, and then put it back out on the front porch. What a terrible person. (laughs) 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 I feel like this soundboard has two sounds today. It's just that one kid. (laughs) This kid is not into it. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Jesus and at, at this point in the story I'm wondering like okay she's hearing things seeing things shitting things shitting on things well, not shitting talking to is people. how you how you conjure one of the one of the demons we'll get to that later uh, wait is that for real she, thing? Yeah, yeah yeah that was mo- <laughs> that was Mason's research <laughs> oh boy I he was just googling the, shit demon yeah, earlier this is the laziest way I can conjure a demon well I'm What's already something shitting I do every day <laughs> Mason was on the toilet Googling demons. Oh, oh, oh that's a big demon. That's a spicy demon tonight. There's one, one demon for things that come out of your butt and one for things that go in your butt. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're off the rails. Okay. Whole program. So at this point in the story, I'm thinking like, okay, this woman's in her early 20s. She's hearing things. She's seeing things. She's acting really weird. She's withdrawing from society. Like... A lot of things that would, to me, predict mental illness. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't... schizophrenia specifically. I don't know mm-hmm. how visiting two psychologists, like, were, they were like, nah, you're good. Right. Well, they probably didn't see her shitting on sandwiches and stuff. Well, but, right. I guess, but still, like... Sometimes if you feel like something's wrong and then doctors tell you nothing's wrong, you want to make something wrong. I do that. You know, yeah. you're like, you don't tell me I'm fine. I'm obviously I'm not fine. After that, she developed an aversion to anything religious. Mm. Mm. Um, and instead of reading at the park, she spent most of her time making crosses out of twigs and then sticking them in the ground upside down. <laughs> Whoa. She told. <laughs> so it wasn't like she needed to avoid religious things. She she was like an anti-theist. Well, so, both. Got you. Yeah. She needed uh, to create symbols of her hatred for it. It wasn't enough for her to just react negatively to like pro-Christian things. Right. She needed to flip crosses upside down in the park. Right. So I want I want to get to where our buddy, our our third strike buddy meets, yeah, meets her. We're getting there. Okay. So she sto- totally stops interacting with people. Wait, can I, can I interrupt you? I just really want you to keep telling the story, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till you keep talking. Heck. <laughs> oh, Bjork. Blork. Orf. That dog just uh, died. What? Yeah, I just saw it. R.I.P. Dog Source. Yeah. Pour one out for Dog Source if you're listening. Heck. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Back to the story that you wanted to hear, Ryan. I do. She totally stopped interacting with other people. Like, not even, like, she would go into the store. She would not speak to anyone. She would put stuff down on the counter, put money down on the counter get her ass out of there like Mm -hmm. would not talk to anyone um except for strangers that she would pass 
that she thought had also perfectly withdrawn into themselves, Sweet. as she put it. That's awesome. Also, super a sign of schizophrenia. Huh. When you think you can read other people's thoughts and or people's thoughts are being projected onto yours and uh-huh. vice versa. Uh-huh. Um, I had a friend who... Today I learned I have schizophrenia. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I had a friend who so was, that's what this is. <laughs> was diagnosed with schizophrenia who the day he realized that something was up, he was in, he spent an entire like three hour lecture course trying not to think because he was convinced that everyone else in the room could read his thoughts whenever he had them. Huh. Oh yeah. He, Wouldn't that be a funny superpower if, if your superpower was everyone can hear your thoughts? Wasn't there a, a Mel Gibson movie about that? Oh, what women want? <laughs> or was no. that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was him reading women's thoughts. That makes more sense, oh, I guess. Man. But if you had the inverse, what, what Mel wants? Shitty, yeah, yeah, your shitty superpower oh, is everywhere wants. you go. You're oh, the only person. I need a woman who can have all of their thoughts read. <laughs> what 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 Mel wants is like. That sounds like a horrible racist oh, movie. Oh boy, I was I was gonna start making a list and then I All realized. Right. Well, that was if a it bad was idea. just the character of that movie, it would just be sex, 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 <laughs> sex, 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 sex. Heck, 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 heck. <laughs> Things are just tumbling downhill. Sounds like. And uh, one day in the park, she has an experience that she described as quote like a net tightening around her person hmm. that opened up every secret part of herself. Like saying yes to a power that would not take no for an answer. Wow, Oof. she's very poetic. Next line is the, one of the most poetic things I've ever heard, actually. She says, it felt like falling in love with the jaws of a crocodile. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, Marianne had some shit going for her. That's through terrible. All the crazy. It's yeah, terrifying. Right. Yeah. Will you read that again? Which part? The, the whole the, thing? The whole thing? Uh, the net she described it. it as... A net tightening around her person that opened up every secret part of herself, like saying yes to a power that would not take no for an answer, or like falling in love with the jaws of a crocodile. Wow. Can I just sounds like Vonnegut. Yeah, this is a little <laughs> Vonnegut, isn't it? Can I can I be um a little skeptical right now? Is this is like doesn't sound like after everything we've learned about Marianne that she didn't come out of this entire experience being like and that day, I felt like I was this very poetic thing. Like, <laughs> sh- like, is this just the guy who... Well, she obviously has an interesting mind. Well, all I'm saying is, this is written in a bestseller, heard from a guy who we think might be making up stories for the shine of it, and mm-hmm. heard from another priest who had this third-party experience. Right? right? Like, yeah. To the point, of, I mean, not to subtract the poetry from this. I'm, I'm not vouching for, story. for Malachi's stories at all. Yeah. I, know, I know you're not. I, I just am saying, should we give Marianne the credit for all that poetry, or is this three times removed and written for the purposes of being in a bestseller? The one thing I will give credit to Father Martin for, he's a very good writer. Mm. Like that book is a damn good read, mm. and there's a reason it was a bestseller. Sure. So, it, to to your point, it wouldn't actually surprise me if if he wrote. Or at least embellish some of it because he is a very good writer. Right. Malachi Martin talks about people that were perfectly possessed, in quotes. That's that's a phrase that he used a lot and comes Ooh, up in the documentary a lot. Doesn't feel right. Meaning that they no longer had free will. Mm. That the demon had totally taken over their person and they were not in control of what they were doing at all anymore. Mm. He also thought that in order for this to happen, though, that the person had to at some point give their consent. I've heard about that. 
Well, that is actually there's, there's like five. There's like a environmental possession, mental possession, emotional possession, physical possession, and then free will possession. And and he believed for that reason that a child could never be quote perfectly possessed because he didn't feel that children were capable of making that decision. Uh-huh. Like they didn't, they weren't able to give their consent because they weren't able to understand what was happening. They could maybe be partially possessed, but not perfectly possessed. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe to some extent that is not just a Father Malachi. Uh, no, that's something I read in the Grim Grimorium or whatever that. Magic I think that book. I think that concept is prevalent throughout Catholicism. I think that specific phrasing okay, might have sure. been his. Um, but yeah, right, that that concept comes up in lots of places. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, to your point, Mason, I think I have heard that concept elsewhere as well. So. Um, but so I think that story is in there specifically to make that point of like maybe this was the moment where she gave consent, even if it wasn't fully something she wanted to do she felt like she didn't have a choice and okay. gave into it at, at that at that moment okay eventually her family agrees to have her exercised because shit is just getting worse and worse she stinks she's not bathing she's lost 45 pounds in the span of like two months she Oof. keeps shitting in these simon deliver boxes <laughs> we keep trying to send her. oh no and they uh they get in touch with father peter who's called in to do this exorcism and he's he's now 62 years old um, and in addition to all this other stuff, she's now sp- started speaking in supposedly foreign languages. So she's speaking in Hebrew and Latin, mm. which are languages that apparently she does not know or does not speak. Having studied at a Catholic university, I wonder if she couldn't at least recite some Hebrew and or Latin. Yeah. Also, did the people who were witnessing this know Hebrew and Latin? Well, it was the priest who recorded it. So in theory, so yes, he gotcha. recognized it as such and recognized like specific prayers and stuff that she was, or not prayers, but like the sure. phrases, she was gotcha. like mockingly quoting scripture and stuff back at him. Mm-hmm. But that could be simply reciting things she had heard. Well, and there the is that one demon that if you get possessed by, it teaches you how to speak all the languages of the world, but only the most foul and, <laughs> and horrible words in those exactly. languages. Only racial and ethnic slurs. Yeah, and swear words. <laughs> Wait, it's just a thing? Yeah, yeah, there's a real demon that if you get possessed by, you become literate in all languages, but you only know the swear word, like the terrible words. So you're well, both educated and very lewd. We're at the best part of the story, and it's short. Sorry, Can I sorry. finish it? Yes. Yeah. Let's okay. Go. Can I finish? <laughs> so they agree to do this exorcism, and uh, Peter, Father Peter comes in to do it. There's a, an assistant, because by rule, there has to be four people there. There has to be a primary priest a secondary priest in case the first one dies and two assistants to restrain the person, one of whom must be a family member. Heck. (laughs) (laughs) Peter starts doing the exorcism along with the assistance of three other people. And there's all the crazy shit that you imagine exorcisms being. Uh, She's speaking in foreign languages. She's speaking in a bunch of different voices. She's writhing and thrashing around on the bed. There are objects flying across the mo- uh, the room. There's a dresser that <laughs> the moon objects flying across the moon. DT. There's a <laughs> spoiler alert. It's ET. There's a dresser that slides across the floor at one point. The exorcism yeah. goes on for almost 24 hours in this little Manhattan apartment. And damn, those neighbors were pissed. <laughs> right. And the exorcism is successful, as we probably learned because. Marianne was telling parts of the story, but she successfully exercised. However, Father Peter, two days later, dies of a heart attack. Fulfilling the prophecy of his first exorcism in which the demon said three strikes and you're out 
we're coming for that ass. Hmm. Yikes. Wow. So does she like for as far as we're aware, does she have is she fine? She's good. She's she lived a life of safety and sanity and that was well, all it took. at least between nineteen sixty so that supposedly happened in nineteen sixty five. The book was written in seventy six, so she made it eleven years at least. Hmm. That, that to, book is now forty years old, so who knows? Are we? And, and she'd we, be in her seventies, and we do know that. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't read the book, but like, do we know that he was taking? Was he asking her questions? Are there quotes from her in there? Or, yeah, there, there are quotes from her throughout oh, the story. There are. Yeah. So he's not just like the, saying the this guy in, told in me the this park story. Bullshit. Oh, okay. those are direct quotes. Yeah. Okay, I because I was under the impression that he was just telling a story that that guy had told him. This is if we're believing Father Martin. These are firsthand accounts. I see. Just okay. imagine if you if you were so like. If you had trouble adjusting to society at such an incredible, in such an incredible way, like this person did, where you're like that, you really can't see a way of of rejoining the societal narrative. You've like cut off all ties. You're alone. You're going kind of crazy. You know your your parents are have a weird relationship with you. You know, and then and then one day you spend twenty four hours writhing in your bed, screaming in tongues while strangers scream at you. I imagine that would be an incredibly cathartic experience for anyone that was feeling weird. Well, and maybe you know? that's maybe that's your out too. Right? Maybe all is forgiven at that point because well, now I, you weren't I responsible think, for any of it. I think I would feel better after doing something like that. I, if I had four people standing in my room, my, you know, family members straight just screaming at me, you and can, I got to just like, and you could say what, and you can say. right? You can say whatever you want to. That would probably be incredibly cathartic. You're also. Um, you're also probably to some extent, if you've extracted yourself from a narrative that you grew up on, that was probably foundational to you in a lot of ways, like uh-huh. religion is for a lot of people. Maybe like vaguely oppressive. Maybe vaguely oppressive. And you've rebelled against that probably mentally and physically and emotionally in so many different ways. Part of that catharsis might also be like a forced rejoining or sort of a a reacceptance of that narrative back into your foundation. Do you, yeah, know, I mean, do you know what I, I'm saying? I can see part. Yeah. I, I, I mean, who knows what, what this person was feeling. I think, I think that probably has something to do with it, but I think if you remove the, the cultural significance of religion from the, from the action of writhing and screaming in your bed yeah. in front of strangers for 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah. I mean, regardless of what is being said right. or what purpose this is serving, it's like, you as a as a twenty six year old woman don't don't get a lot of opportunities to just like flail and scream like yeah. generally in and society that's that's looked that's frowned upon right, but it's right. something that we kind of desperately need to do in order to stay sane. It's more some people more than others right. need to just rap sometimes and run yeah, around the yeah. room or tell you your know? uncle to go fuck himself three hundred times in in one day. Right, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, but right. if you're you know if you grow up in a and I'm not. Again, not being pejorative, but if you grow up in like a vaguely oppressive religious upbringing where you're taught to sort of be still and quiet and not that that has anything to do with religion, but some Catholic schools are like that. Most schools are like that. Most schools are like that. That, you know, I I could see that sort of activity as being like a dance. It's like a, you know, it's like any sort of catharsis, you know, physically cathartic experience. Sounds like really intense and passionate. Yeah. Yeah. It'll probably feel good. Yeah. I mean... 
Yeah, it would be an expelling of probably negative energy and maybe all of your energy to the point of sheer exhaustion. I mean, there's there's something about just like shouting in a nonsensical way and moving in a nonsensical way. It's like the word hallelujah. It's like it doesn't really have a meaning. It's just like a. It's just like ah ah yeah wah, where you just you want to just like I'm I'm alive and I'm celebrating it in a really like abstract nonsensical way. Like yeah. the nonsense. It's like. It's like when people in churches speak in tongues. It's like that looks and sounds creepy, but it feels good to do. It's like it feels good to just do just the nonsense like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah, living in this yeah. really logical structure, this Western like rational humanist structure that right. I, I don't feel like at my core doesn't match with how I feel. I want to be a running and screaming child, mm-hmm. you know, then like that kind of experience can can do a lot of good for people. Totally. You know, it's interesting. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Yeah, let's take a let's take a quick break. Uh, I know you have more exorcism stories. I got a couple of, like questions and just general thoughts I want to talk about. And um, yeah, boy. We, we can take a maybe take a dive into some possible explanations for what's going on if it's not a uh, the demon of the Sabbath possessing your body, right? Because <laughs> I do think there are um, there's a lot of interesting stuff about what things may or may not be, or combinations of what they may be. Cool. Let's, um, let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into some or all of that. So we'll be right back with the What If Podcast. God damn it! We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H I, at whatifpodcast.com or leave us a voicemail at 612 246 4614. And now, back to the What If Podcast. I know you guys haven't seen it, but in The Exorcist, when she projectile, like, mm. gack vomits onto the dude's <laughs> face. scream gack. I, I was watching this movie, and it was, it was actually freaking me out. <laughs> Did you almost barf? Because I was watching this by myself, like, I'm the only person in my house, watching it right before I went to bed last night, which is probably a bad idea. <laughs> but when it gets to that point, and she, like, vomits, like, projectile vomits the green goo <laughs> into the dude's face, yeah, yeah. I... Burst out laughing at that shit. There's because nothing funnier than scream puking. It's the funniest right. thing. You don't she, look down. You just have your mouth forward and you just ha ha. That's good. And the dude just like politely takes his glasses off. And okay, like, mm, well that's mm, fine. Yes, uh-huh. I'm going to keep reading this prayer at you, that's possessed normal. little bitch. Everybody pukes, honey. Everybody scream pukes. Today we're talking about what if uh, a puppy made of rainbows became your best friend forever. No, we're not, (laughs) but I did want to take us away. So there are many a scientific reason why this entire phenomenon is not actually what religion thinks it is, right? I mean, and we've kind of talked about some of them, but combinations of a bunch of different mental illnesses could be compiled to exhibit all of these same characteristics, right? Sure. I mean, I guess the, the it just begs the question: What's the difference between a a, a quote unquote mental illness and a demonic possession? Uh, well, and well, I one think of them is religiously based in the way that in the way that we look at it as 
being caused by an entity that is so, an, so anti. The, the sort of like language around it is different. Well, sure. Or the cultural context around it is different. But yeah, I would say scientific explanation in terms of psychology and 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 what's actually occurring in the brain versus which is, is also something we're equally fuzzy about. Just just to be no doubt. just to be clear, we don't have any idea what the fuck's happening in our own brain. Yeah, most most you know, of the time. Our, our our guess as to what is causing things that you could say are symptomatic of demonic possessions is probably equally as off base as shamans and, point. and witch doctors are. That's a good point. If I, you fast forward a thousand years, the things we'll know then. I mean, neuroscience is a very young, very young science still. That is wild. I think, think at the, about. I think at the heart of it, Mason's point is like, is it maybe just a different name for the same set of symptoms? Different like, name, different we, treatment. We yeah. still don't know what the cause is. And there are lots of medical conditions that we sure we try and treat and we have names for and you go to a doctor to alleviate, but we don't know what the cause is. And we right? don't know why don't, some of the treatments are effective either. Right. Like we don't know still what causes cancer. We don't know what causes autism. Which we in some circles, I think we tend to think about uh, possession as sort of an antiquated thing. But in a lot of circles, people still feel like cancer is is a demonic possession, and that the treatment for it is exorcism. And there there are testimonies far and wide of people who have been cured of cancer after after exorcisms. And there are how many thousands of people on a you know weekly or monthly basis or whatever who die after being treated for cancer from a Western perspective? Like sure. yeah. Chemotherapy all, doesn't fix this cancer. This also like sort know, of like trespasses that's, that's, on a different realm of physical science, where you have a tumor as a physical object, whereas you you could say that mental illness is is physical properties from chemical chemicals in your brain, but it doesn't have something you can necessarily see in an X ray in the well, same way as a tumor does. I think that's where possession gets interesting, though, because there's that overlap. That's when, right. When, when, the physical when possession. When you get and, to things like the you know writing appearing on the skin, which again can be explained in a more scientific way or a more like a, from a medical perspective. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like there, I forget the name for it, but there is a a condition, a skin condition where if you apply pressure to the skin, it will create a raised, uh, like a a raised area wherever that pressure was applied. Mm. So if you were to take, if you were to take, for instance, a pencil and across your forearm, with the pencil just lightly pressing down and write something, wherever you applied pressure, it would raise up. And honestly, like, yeah, it looks pretty crazy. Well, yeah, y'all didn't see my face. I just did a, <laughs> I just did a real bad Google. What's the what's the medical term for it? Dermati- dermatographic irriticaria. Okay. Er, er, oh shit. Yeah, something like that. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah. I was about uh, a B minus on that read. And this is this is this is where it gets interesting to me because like any one piece of the things that are reported around possession could be explained in a in a more quote unquote medical way, like writing appearing on the skin. Yes, we there are instances where we can explain that. Um, someone. Speaking in tongues, someone convulsing, someone hallucinating. Like we can explain all of those things individually. I think where it gets weird is where you start seeing or reading or hearing reports of a bunch of these things happening at the same time. Sure. Yeah. There's like no one ex- explanation area. that can encompass all of that. Right. Uh, just Other to offer, than- offer one that's not brought up very often. 
Um, cause you know, you like Tourette's could explain the, the vocal outbursts or the different like vocal intonations and stuff. Right. Schizophrenia could explain some of the, like the, uh, visual and auditory hallucinations as well as whatever the hell you just said that started with derma, something could explain the, this, the writing on the skin. Dissociative mm-hmm. identity could be responsible for legitimately actually believing that you are indeed someone or guess, something or, 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 or speaking in the personality or the perspective of multiple people. Right. And the, the, there's the whole theme of like, it's not one demon, it's many and we right. are one and all this stuff that comes up throughout many different reports. Right. One that doesn't get mentioned very often is ergot poisoning. You guys ever heard of this? No. No. Give give it a Google. Put it in your Googler. <laughs> I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm just over here getting my mind blown by the Googler every like 15 minutes in this podcast. And uh, I'm fucking up by not having the the good googly moogly sound bite ready right, to go. Googly moogly. <laughs> I can be that's, a soundboard. That's actually all we need. I that's, can be a soundboard. <laughs> hey, there you go. Okay, Dude. so ergot poisoning, it's a fungus that can grow on rye, barley, oh, or I wheat. I have heard of this. Huh. So it's a fungus that grows on, on, on a few different plants. Uh, the symptoms, if it's, if it's um, consumed, include convulsions, mm. psychosis, vomiting, skin lesions, and it if left un, untreated and in extreme cases can have hallucinogenic effects. Hmm. It's actually the uh, LSD was originally derived from this fungus. Oh, sure. So you look at possession convulsions mm-hmm. that definitely fits could be maybe exaggerated into being levitation or some of the really like out there things that you hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Psychosis could cover a bunch of different parts of it. Mm-hmm. Vomiting, green goo <laughs> skin lesions and hallucinating i mean that would that would cover a lot of it mm-hmm. totally. and it's actually especially if you were unaware of what was happening to you right oh if, my you, god if, right? It, if it wasn't something that sort of like be, became apparent over years and years and years but just happened one afternoon it, it could be it could be very sudden yeah the the one area where it breaks down is that it would probably be multiple people experiencing similar effects They're eating from the same stores but what I was thinking about when I was reading about this the other day was it could, in theory, affect children more than it would adults, mm-hmm. right? Just like a, a, you're getting a higher dose of it uh-huh. or you're at a different stage in development or whatever. Your immune system isn't as strong yet. or Right. Because, I mean, how many of the possession cases that we hear about, like how many of them are children? I was going to say that it's almost and especially all young girls. parents calling priests. Right. It's parents who, which isn't when, interesting. When's the last time a seven-year-old really, man has been possessed? It's a very interesting parallel. That's real. That's real. Between, I think, I think we like stumbled on this this sort of like juxtaposition between mental health and how it's uh, how it's sort of talked about and thought about in in the Western world in modern times versus the idea of possession, where you have you know parents calling priests in. I don't know how to deal with my kid. My kid's crazy. I think he's possessed. You know, similarly with bad wheat. Right. Similarly with maybe like you could say a lot of these cases are women because husbands don't know how to deal with women who don't listen to them or who, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the witch, the witch hunt thing in Salem. It's like, okay. So the the leading theory on what was actually going on in Salem was ergot poisoning. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I did did just find that in my Googler over here. I think it, it like it's, it has a parallel to 
what I would see as a problem in this country, which is the overmedication of children whose parents don't know how to handle them. You know, I mean, it's it's a similar thing. It's like saying, so if saying, well, schizophrenia could account for certain types of demonic possessions. How is how is saying schizophrenia accounting for anything? I mean, that that is a word that is used to to prescribe a a group of symptoms. So is I was possessed by erythin or or whoever. I mean, that is also a word or a group of words used to prescribe a, a group of symptoms. You know, bo- both both they of just which, have different treatments. They just have different treatments, right? You know, because d- does does saying well, it's schizophrenia. Does that satisfy you intellectually anymore? Do you know any more of what's going on internally? Than you would if someone just told you it was a demon. It depends I mean, on how, it depends how much on your cultural context. If I'm True. raised Catholic, no. But that's also why that's also why Catholic families, when a child exhibits a certain set of personalities, their brain says because exorcisms haven't been, even though they've been popularized, like we talked about, like around the 70s, when that movie and the book, or when was the book? 60. It was 73 and 76. So okay. Very close, so, yeah. so in the seventies, when the concept was more popularized, did we say this on the podcast or was it before it started? I don't know what you're trying to say. Uh, that just that when those things hit the yeah, media, right, right, right. that there was an increase oh, reports in of, reports yeah, yeah, yeah. of right, right. possession and exorcism. Well, because cases it, is, were isn't that how it works? Like I mean, if, if it's a popular idea out in the world that this is a thing that's possible or this is a thing in the zeitgeist, right. it's just like seeing a depression commercial. Like, are having having trouble talking to your friends? You might have dyslexia. Right. Restless Come leg syndrome is not money. a real thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, honestly though, that's a I mean, is there a... any other reason that people think that they have these these disorders no. other than being berated by these these commercials it, and and it, it's a it's therapists? a great yeah, it's a great parallel and I think I think you you could you could sort of find the the treatments to be the same thing, right? If your kid or someone in your family is exhibiting these characteristics, which is those characteristics are basically you you don't fit into society, sure. In one way or the other, you, you, you're you're acting in such a way that's like not normal, and and I don't know how to deal with. it. I think in yeah. a lot of these cases it goes further than that, though. That you're harming yourself or someone else, also. Sure. Okay. Or or you are or that's you are or you are, um, yeah. I, I guess that's that's best. You're 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 harming yourself or someone else, or to the extent with which you are no longer capable as an individual of caring for yourself etc sure. you know I, that i think leads into sure. not being able to take care of yourself but I, but i think to your point if your if your brain has been told that if x y or z things are happening they are probably the cause of x then you call a catholic priest and say my son is possessed with a demon and mm-hmm. i need you to come and get the demon out mm-hmm. or it, it is interesting say, though that it, that it crosses cultural boundaries and other religions and other cultures have or a, every, a similar version of yeah, right. the same process. Which I think is worth mm-hmm. noting that, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning when I mentioned my ignorant surprise that exorcism is a thing in multiple, <laughs> multiple cultures. But I, I guess, I guess to me, I, again, the pop culture idea, we associate very specifically with the Catholic church. Well, we as, you know, Americans we as raised we, in the 80s exactly. and 90s do yeah but but the fact that there are rites and rituals and sort of prescriptive practices that relate to Hinduism and Islam and Judaism Buddhism, and Taoism there's yeah there are there are elements of this 
concept being, you know, present and, in a lot of different cultures and a Wicca, lot of different shamanism. And that's sure, yeah. that's where it Africa gets, is just everywhere. Wait, if you if you're Wiccan, and does that mean you you worship the devil? I don't no. know enough about that. I don't either, actually. Which one is where you like straight up worship the devil? Satanist. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a Satanist and you get possessed by the devil, aren't you psyched? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Are you like, I did it? <laughs> what, what if uh, what if you get possessed by the uh, working weekends demon? Oh, yeah. The, uh, what? <laughs> Surgat, who is, who, who is who Sunday is named after. The, the day yeah, of the week, Sunday, is named after a, a demon named Surgat. What? Who when... When possessed by Surgat, you S U R G A T. I think that's how it's yeah. spelled. Yeah, I can look it up in a second here. But Surgat Don't makes. Worry, I got the, you. Surgat's <laughs> mission is to destroy the Sabbath. So basically, you get possessed by Surgat, and you want to work through the weekend. <laughs> that's his power. Can I just give you like a real quick rundown? Uh, sh- please, sure, just, yeah, just, please. Just sure. ten demons. Agares. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce these. A G A R E S. Um, is is the one that right. is the one that makes you literate in every language, but only teaches you the swear words and ethnic slurs. That's my guy. And that's so you, that's you become a, quote educated and vile. Uh, Perfect. That's what I aspire to be on a daily basis. There's Renove, R O N O V E. Oh my god! I just is, had to swallow hard because I almost spewed beer all over. <laughs> he my scream puked. <laughs> So there's, I'm a- there's, 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 I was scream puked about the educated and vile demon. Wow. <laughs> Gack the fuck out of that, that is, microphone. That is literally my possession if there's ever been one. There's uh, Renove, who is also known as the taker of old souls. This is a really funny one. Ooh. So this doesn't sound like a Jesus, bro. <laughs> just kills old people. This one <laughs> yeah, re- reportedly instructs the person he inhabits about rhetoric and the art of ins- uh, insinuating themselves into other people's good graces. So basically... You you become this really lovable person, but anyone who and I'm not making this up. Anybody who is looking older or a little poorly <laughs> than you, once you leave, will be killed. <laughs> even, even friends and pets. It says. <laughs> I so just... if you meet somebody that you're having a good conversation with and they're a little bit older or like maybe a little sickly than you. When it's time for you to leave, they will die when you walk out <laughs> of the door. I, I would um, just like to clarify quickly that you are not making this up, but you are reading off of a BuzzFeed-style article called The Five Best and Worst Demons to Be Possessed sure. By. I mean, find me a reliable source on demonic <laughs> possession and I'll read good point. I'm, good just, point. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> the number one number one worst demon to be possessed by is obviously Beelzebub. 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 Fucking that guy. That fucking guy. Um, okay, now, best demons to be possessed by. Uh, there's Azazel. That sounds fun. Is actually where the term scapegoat came from. So apparently back in the day, Whoa. villages used to uh, prescribe all of their symbolic sins to one goat and then send it out into the woods to meet Azaziel and be devoured by it. So Azaziel oh. is sort of like the the harbinger of collective sin. Uh, who lives in the woods and eats goats, or Whoa. takes people, takes people goats. historically have really hated goats. Absolutely, yeah. Get, got, Must be the only thing they had like a plethora of. I'm kind of glad that we've we've reclaimed the word goat. I, as I it fuck works. with goats. I think they're cool. Goats I do too. Cool. A lot of hilarious goat videos on the internet, and we've reclaimed it as a as a phrase for greatest of all time, as uh-huh. it relates to music and sports and all kinds I of things. I support the goats. Okay, so so the, goat? this is this, this is my favorite one. Name is Ben Tamalion. Ben. The name of this fucking spirit is Ben. What's up, Ben? So, Solid name. Uh, human body. Shout out to Ben. Uh, wings, <laughs> owl, owl head, and rides a wolf. 
Um, well, hold on. Repeat that. Human body. Yep. Wings, like angel wings. Yep. Owl head. Mm-hmm. Sword. Rides a wolf. Ben that is, is fucking killing it. Ben wow. Tomalion. Or t- wow. Tomalion. That sounds so, like the best video game character that's ever been invented. <laughs> check, check this out, though. There's not much information on Ben Tam- Tamalion, a demon who appears in Jewish mythology. He possesses a princess. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yokai walks up on the princess and says, Ben Tamalion, go! Ben Tamalion, go! <laughs> and Ben Tamalion goes. How did the princess's father, a mighty emperor, know to get this particular rabbi? The princess was calling for the rabbi. So this demon possesses you and causes you to scream out for the only person who is able to banish him. Okay. So Whoa. you banish this demon by being possessed by them. And the only trace of itself that it leaves in you, and I'm not making this up, is a markedly decreased sense of anti-Semitism. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. <laughs> so once, this demon, once this demon leaves you, you will hate Jews less. <laughs> Is the power of this demon? Okay, couple more. I Good. guess. Yeah. I guess. Good like, for Ben. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if if you okay if you had to be possessed and you could be instantly unpossessed and also get rid of any <laughs> hidden anti-Semitism yeah, you right. might harbor. That's I guess a very like, convenient demon. In all intents and purposes, that's not the worst thing that could happen. Okay, I'll just fly through these last ones. There's Andros gets in your head and gives you advice on how to kill people. Wasn't Andros a character from Star Fox? I'm sorry. Very quickly, oh. why is that one of the better ones to be? <laughs> well, I mean, there it doesn't tell you to kill people. It tells you the best way to kill people. Oh, so like if so you've got to get it you done, it's going to help a situation you get it done. Where you need, you know, this would be a good demon to be possessed by if you were on a battlefield, if you're being, you know, sure. attacked or, sure. or whatever. This is this is a demon who will help you. Learn the best way to kill people. It doesn't say you have to. It doesn't make you kill people. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Last two. Asmodeus, the demon of carnal desire. Mm. This is the one who is afraid of birds and, and fish and Oh, water. sure. Sure. So you fish to get rid of- The jealous yeah. god. Yep. yep. Last one is Belphegor. Um, Belphegor is a demon who got tired of all the men in hell complaining about the fact that they were only there because of their wives- <laughs> who was who was tired of being told <laughs> big problem that that all men this is your fault that all, all these men <laughs> are in hell you did this to me because their marriages were so insane that it drove them to be sinners well so uh Belphegor went to the surface of the earth to search for a happy married couple the thing about the story is that he couldn't find one <laughs> So he was 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 cursed to wander the earth trying to find a happy marriage, which he hasn't. But (laughs) the random thing, the random thing about this one is that, according to uh, some of the later um, uh, Pope's proclamations, Satan has named this demon the ambassador to France. So, so this demon is Satan's ambassador sick to burn. France. Very sick. Satan burn. really fucks with France, which is ridiculous. A- and or the Vatican super doesn't fuck with France, <laughs> but apparently is, really... is also the demon of sloth. So if you get possessed by this demon, no. you will try to make your marriage work, and you will become lazy, and you might have an affinity for Parisians. Oh well, <laughs> sounds like me to a T. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the five best and worst demons. Nailed Good it, Chuck Mason. Yeah. Thanks for yelling with us and uh, laughing with guys. us and this playing so with us. Fun. I agree with you, man. This has been fun. Even when we yell, I think it's fun. I, I think it's so cool to have a 
a place, you know, where you can just be a nerd yeah. and just talk about shit that no one else would ever want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> but, people uh, rather hear than, about it. but apparently but they do. Rather, Surprisingly, rather they than do. sitting in a room full of people <laughs> that don't want to hear about it, you're inviting those people to you. Yeah. Anybody who's interested in like long-winded nerdy conversations, <laughs> come this way. Come to us. Join us. Join yeah. us. Join our cult. Join and call it. us and leave us a voicemail. It doesn't have to be about anything. I agree. Just be anything. I agree. Speaking of, uh, on the way out, we're going to play you one uh, that is a follow-up to our What If You Joined a Cult episode from a few weeks back. Uh, so enjoy that. Uh, if you feel like sharing a story with us, go ahead and call us at the phone number that I can never remember. Is, which is 612-246-4614. That's the uh, one. That's the one. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. We love you. Bye. Peace. Bye-bye. Hey, yo, this is Adrian. Love the podcast, guys. Um, listening to every episode, it's fantastic. So right quick, I want to tell you a story about my interaction with a cult. Uh, let me start with the fact that I have an anxiety disorder. So I didn't know I had an anxiety disorder at the time, but I have one. When I went to Uganda to work at a temple in Kampala, the capital, uh, it didn't go well. So I left, but on my way home, I stopped in to visit my brother. My brother has been living in Prague in the Czech Republic for the last 15 years. So I go to see him. I spent two weeks with him. It's cool. My first day back, I've lost like 15 pounds. Africa was rough on this Mzungu. You know, it was a tough time. So I go see my guy. We hang out. And the day I get there, he's like, tonight, we're going to a party. At the time, I didn't drink. I was religious. I was an idiot. Uh, and I said, sure, why not? Let's do that. But I'm a little weary because I've been feeling kind of weird lately because my anxiety disorder was coming up. Takes me with his girlfriend. Just me his girlfriend for the first time that night. I'm in the car with her. We're headed out to some place to party for the night, I guess. In there, we're talking. Me and her are chopping it up. It's all good. We're having a good time. And she turns to me at one point and starts talking about Turks. You know, uh, Europe is pretty goddamn white, obviously. And she was telling me, you know, these Turks, like, they're no good. You can't trust Turks. They fuck up our schools. They fuck up our economy. They take care of our welfare. She was going on and on about Turks. And she saw my face because I don't have a good poker face at all. And she was like... Oh, no, 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 no. I see it. Like, maybe I'm offending you, but don't worry. Turks, for me, are like Mexicans for you. And I, I just said, I like Mexicans. They, they do good things in my country. And she was like, she just kind of shut up after that. Ten minutes later, she goes on about Turks. And I was like, who the fuck is this beautiful, horrible racist? Anyway, we get there, and everybody's kind of like-minded. Like, we're chilling in this giant stone mansion. It's got to be like two, 300 years old because everything over there is old as fuck. So I'm there and this is like a fucking mansion. Nothing around us but forest in this creek. And all these young people are getting out and they all know her. They're all cool with her. I was like, are they all like her? Because I really don't want to be here then. And we're chilling. Everybody's bringing a beer. They have like a little keg thing situation, like a pony keg coming in. And I'm just, 
more and more not wanting to be there. I mean, the Czech Republic, they don't really speak English either, so I can't speak Czech. That shit is hard as fuck to learn. So I was like, all right, I guess I can just chill out. Walk into this house, this mansion, and there's pictures all over the walls, but there's like no furniture. There's like a few chairs, a couch, but in every room there's two to three pictures, and they're all the same picture. They're of this white dude, older white dude, some of them are paintings, but most of them are pictures. But they're all the same. It's all the same pose. Like, you know that famous picture of George Washington? It's like that, but in every room two to three times. And I asked one of the dudes, one of the few dudes who speaks English, I'm like, who's this guy? Like, this is, I didn't say it was weird, but I was freaked out. And they're like, oh, that's so-and-so. He's a 17th level Buddha. And I said, oh, okay. What? And they're like, no, don't worry. Like, he's a 17th level Buddha. He's ascended nirvana, blah, 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 blah. I was starting to feel really anxious and like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Something creepy is going on here. And that woman telling me all that racist shit. And I was like, is that part of this? And I just felt scared. So we're sitting there and I'm looking at this picture. I'm just staring at this dude. And I keep thinking of Ghostbusters 2. Ryan, I'm sure you haven't seen Ghostbusters 2, but it's a decent movie. You should check it out. It's this guy in this frame. He's controlling, like, what's going on in New York, and he's, like, the scariest-looking motherfucker in the world. I'm like, this dude looks just like that dude from Ghostbusters 2. Anyway, I go upstairs after the sun sets. I'm tired. I just don't want to be around these people. My brother's all about this fine-ass racist girl, and I'm just like, all right, I don't... I don't know anymore, man. And my brother hands me like a mattress cot. I don't know, just some padding type of thing. Like one of those things you had in gym class when you were in elementary school, like just a mat. And he's like, yeah, go upstairs, second floor, everybody's sleeping. So I say, all right. I go up. It's just one big room, this giant mansion. It's just one big room on the second floor. There's no third floor. And I lay down and I'm like, all right, I just I got to go to sleep. If I can make it till tomorrow, I can go home. You know, crazy Ghostbusters 2 motherfuckers just, like, staring at me the whole time. I fucking hated it. I'm laying there, and then I hear, like, people making out, and then people start fucking, and then people are moaning. And I sit up, and I look around, and people are fucking each other. They're making out and fucking all over the second floor. And with Ghostbusters 2 just staring down at us, scared the shit out of me. And I slipped and ran downstairs, found my brother by the creek outside of the house and said, I got to go home. And he was like, well, I'm hammered. I can't bring you home. So can you spend the night here? I said, fuck no. He said, all right, here's what I can do. I can drive you half a mile to the train station, get you back to Prague by yourself. I said, that's cool. I'm in. So I did that. I left, never talked to those people again, except for my brother, of course. And it was a scary fucking experience. So, yeah, that's my story about cult. Love y'all's show. Keep it up. Have a great night. Peace. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. For show notes, transcripts, and links from today's episodes, visit whatifpodcast.com.